What do you know about primary health care? Hmm. It's a bit of health speak that we do hear from time to time. Do you know what sorts of services fit under that banner? Hi, Penny here. On this episode, I thought we'd just walk right into a building that has a big sign outside saying primary health and learn about a new and innovative program that's happening, but also to just find out what the term really means. Hello, Meredith. I'm good. How are you? Lovely yeah. to meet you. Nice to meet you too. I've driven past this place yeah. so many times. Never been in. What are primary health services? Because they sound kind of like a a foundation, if you like. Absolutely. So primary health itself is usually um, defined as the first point of care that patients receive in the community. So it's usually their GP or something like that. But then there are primary care services which treat and help people in the community, patients that aren't admitted to hospital basically. So primary care in the community, secondary is usually your specialist and tertiary is the hospitals. Ah, great. I like that. It's just like the school system. So this is our office. Walking in and saying community rapid response, which is the area that you work in. And when I think about rapid response for your health, I I do think about ambulances and and paramedics, but that's not what you do. Not really. So Community Rapid Response Service, it's a hospital avoidance program. So we were set up three years ago. GPs refer to our service to provide nursing care in the community for patients that they would otherwise have sent to the emergency department. So we are literally just trying to keep people out of emergency. Okay. How, how rapid are you? <laughs> we are really rapid. I mean, our, the aim is that we're with a patient within four hours of receiving um, a referral, but that can really vary depending on our capacity. And then, of course, we triage our phone calls as well. So that means that if we get a call um, that is, is much more urgent than what we were previously attending to, we'll divert and go to that patient instead. You know, some of our patients think, think that we might be coming with flashing lights, and we have had one patient who, who literally assumed that we'd arrive by chopper no we drive a Corolla and a Kia but we are we're rapid yeah in my mind I'm picturing you arriving at the door with some sort of old-fashioned doctor's bag I mean what do you you don't have the ambulance but what do you arrive with we come with backpacks so we have all the observation equipment that we would need so yep blood pressure monitor and thermometer and pulse oximeter yeah. yeah, whatever. Um, and but then our backpack is loaded with everything that we need to put a cannula in. So set up a drip. Um, we've got stuff that if a pa- we've got medication in there, if a patient has a reaction to any medication or anything that we give them, sometimes we need to carry uh, intravenous pumps. We really do just look like pack horses when we arrive. <laughs> With that in mind, we know we kind of understand, maybe not well enough, but how the ambulance system works. You have a a paramedic, which isn't a doctor, which isn't a nurse, which has a whole different set of skills. What what do you guys have? What do you have? What do we have? Okay, so I'm a nurse practitioner. So that is basically a registered nurse who's had a significant experience in their area and has gone on to obtain formal master's qualification and become endorsed as a nurse practitioner. So that means that I have the ability to uh, diagnose and to prescribe medications and to refer patients for pathology, specialist x-ray, those types of things. When you arrive at people's homes, 
what's what 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 do they make of it? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's a fairly new. Hi, I'm I'm the rapid response community rapid response nurse. It's not something that we're used to hearing. People generally are just so relieved that they don't have to go to hospital. Um, and there's lots of reasons why people don't want to go to hospital. So in some situations, it could be because they are a carer for somebody in their family, or it could be financial pressures, or it can be the fact that they have a chronic condition and they're at high risk of getting an infection, which would increase if they were in hospital. It's it's the care that they would receive in hospital, but it's in their own home, it's in their own environment, and it's with their social supports in place. But it's really important that they know that their GP is involved in their care still and that if need be, and in some occasions um, if their condition deteriorates that they do need to go to hospital, we facilitate that as well. I'm going to jump in with a metaphor here because listening to you speak, (laughs) I ask a lot of the people that we interview in this for a metaphor. It sounds a little bit like instead of going to the restaurant, you're getting takeaway. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Do you bring food if required? But, you know, we've been asked to do lots of things, you know, and that's the interesting thing about working in primary care is that you're in a patient's own environment and so you can actually see how they're functioning in their own home. And so, you know, that might be popping some veggies on or, you know, doing various things that you probably wouldn't otherwise consider with a rapid response team. But it's just making sure that we're looking after that whole patient. You must hear some incredible stories you must be faced with some really interesting situations as well Um, it feels like more things are out of your control when you're in somebody else's space as opposed to a very structured system that you'd find in a hospital are there some stories that you can share about a day at work where you just were like wow I've learned today Yeah, oh, look, definitely. Working in patients' homes, I mean, it really is a privilege, and I know that that might seem a little bit cliche, but it is true. Um, Recently, we had a a gentleman who we managed to keep out of hospital. He would definitely have been hospitalised if it wasn't for our service for a week. He and his wife are full-time carers for their extremely um, disabled daughter. And so him being in hospital would have put extreme strain on the family. So that was, you know, such a fantastic story from our point of view. So another patient that was referred to our service was a palliative care patient. And she um, had a a condition that meant that her symptoms were quite severe and if she and it was recommended that she stay in hospital to die but she just so badly wanted to go home that our service was able to be involved uh, and care for her at home and that meant that she got married at home just before she died and her whole family were there to support her until her death so that was you know for us that's just something that we've always treasured and we've still seen that family from time to time and they're so grateful. For the people that work in your team, is it pretty a high-pressure environment? Uh, I mean, some of the things that we see and some of the, the places that we go, it, you know, it can be quite distressing. But I think that that comes back to the fact that we have got a pretty close-knit and very supportive, supportive team and we're very well supported by our management. So it's just managed effectively. Just with that in mind, how key is the... Negotiation seems like the wrong word, but the relationship that you have with GPs, that they feel comfortable Mm -hmm. to refer their patients who are clearly going through emergency stuff to you guys rather than a hospital environment. That, I mean, that's been absolutely critical for the success of our program. Um, In Getting GPs to be confident enough to refer to us has been 
you know, has basically been the success of the program because we exceeded the number of referrals in the first year of service and what was anticipated. It also requires them, though, to no doubt do a few more follow-ups than they might have to if they had otherwise sent them to the emergency department. Yeah, that that is true. And that's, you know, in our, in our early part of the program, that was part of our negotiations, is how are we going to get GPs to refer to us knowing that they might have to put, have more input into that patient's care? And that has come back, I think, to the individual GP, but it's also come back to the patient and the patient's request to be able to stay at home if they possibly can. How is it working? Who's doing most of the asking? Is it is it the GP suggesting or is it people saying, I've heard of these people or is there any way I can stay in my home? It's all of the above. And obviously it needs to come down to their condition and whether they're safe to be treated in their own home and whether the GP's happy for that, that referral to occur. How common are these types of programs and this type of service around the the country and the world? Well, there are different types of this program. So ours is relatively uncommon. It's a pretty novel approach. So there are lots of what called HITH programs, which is hospital in the home. Those programs are modelled on an early discharge. So patients that are in the hospital setting are stable enough to be sent home. So they're sent home to continue that care that they were receiving in hospital, but in their home environment. Our service is the reverse of that. So it's GPs referring to us to prevent them even going into hospital in the first place. I'm going to ask you for another story. (laughs) If there's one day at work... um that you that you don't forget. Can you can you tell me about that? So we went to see a gentleman a couple of years ago and it was a sad story. He'd become very isolated. He didn't want any services. He didn't want any uh, any other assistance and that was his choice obviously but while we were there he loved to have a chat. He showed us all his dancing photos and we're about to leave and he said have you got a recipe for rissoles? And so um, I've never cooked rissoles, would you believe it? So we Googled rissole recipes and we wrote down a, a recipe for rissoles for him and I just thought that was gorgeous. <laughs> Were they any good? I don't know. I never found out. <laughs> but your healthcare was okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Rapid response that includes a rissole recipe? Talk about person-centred care, eh? If you want to know more about the types of services that are available to you in your community and outside of the hospital, so primary health services, there are heaps, including many of the people you've already met on HealthSpeak. I'll put some handy links in the show notes so you can find out more, but of course you can always ask your GP or just search online. Hey, if you've been enjoying this series, I'm going to shamelessly ask for some help with promotion. We'd love for you to give us a rating or leave a review on your podcast app because it helps get this series and this information to where it needs to be so that people can hopefully stay well and out of hospital. Thank you. You're awesome. This project was funded by the Healthy Tasmania Community Innovation Grants through the Tasmanian Government.